You are listening to Haftarah, the Shir series where we explore the connections between the Parsha Shavua and its corresponding Haftarah. However, here at the database with Rabbi Yeshua Eisenberg, this week's Parsha is Parsha's Kiseitze, which coincides with Haftarah number 5 of the Shiva de Nechamasa, the seven Haftaras of consolation in between Tishabav and the Amma Menorayim, where the goal is to communicate different messages of Nechama, of comfort or consolation, reconsideration, as we've explained in the past, and this fifth Haftarah of the Shiva de Nechamasa, like the third one in our series from Parshas Re'eh, also revisits the Haftarah from Parshas Noach. While the earlier Haftarah for Re'eh was a review of the second half of the Haftarah from Parshas Noach, this Haftarah for Parshas Kisetse comes from the first half of that Haftarah, which um, comes from Yeshayahu, Perak Nandalad 54 in Yeshayahu, Psukim Aleph 3 Yud, 1 through 10, literally just 10 Psukim, and we have to address a similar question as we um, raised last time, which is the question of why we repeat a Haftarah, right? So in this case, we repeat the Haftarah for Parshas Noach in a span of a couple of weeks with, um, obviously, a separation in between, because there's Re'eh, Shoftim, Kiseitze. So Shoftim, we saw a different Haftarah. But between these three weeks, or I should say, um, within these three weeks together combined, we end up having one Haftarah that's doubled, obviously the Haftarah of Parshas Noach. So we'll address that question after we dedicate the Shir Lili Nishmasini Merasichai Rachel Bastavitzvi Harinik Paris Meshkava Her Neshama should have an Aliyah. So again, two Haftaras ago, we discussed how the Noach-esque imagery of the stormy exile was relevant to our search for Nechama amidst the exile and why the passage was worth repeating. In that conversation, we elaborated on how its themes fit very well with both Parshas Noach and the Shiva de Nechamasa. So, for you know one reason or another, considering that the message was um, perhaps we could say equally apropos, if not um, perfect for both weeks, so that is why the Haftarah um, is repeated. And we have to uh, therefore assume that the Haftarah for Parshas Noach, I should say the Haftarah for Parshas Kiseitse, which repeats the other half of the Haftarah for Parshas Noach, is somehow an equally appropriate message for these times. So we have to address that question right now, right? Because the Haftarah for this week, um, known as Rani Akara, um, Sing O Barren One. So that Haftarah was clearly made for Parshas Noach. Right? As relevant as Noach was to the Haftarah from two weeks ago, where again we had the imagery of the storm. But if you look at this week's Haftarah, Right, Noach is even more significant in this week's Haftarah, as he is referenced explicitly in the text, as the Navi famously declares, "Ki me Noach zosli," for it is as the waters of Noach to me. Right, if there is any piece of Navi that belongs in a Haftarah for Noach, this is the one. Which is why, of course, this piece of Navi was chosen for the Haftarah for Parshas Noach. So, if we had to choose just one time to read this Haftarah, Noach would definitely be the winner. Now, obviously, our tradition did not limit it to once a year, and the question is why we would repeat the Haftarah and why here. And it must be, it must be that apparently um, that this Haftarah drives home a crucial point about Nechama. Okay, well, what does it teach us about Nechama? So while we think about that question, we should consider the fact also that although Noach is present in our Haftarah, he's not exactly front and center. Right? Noach's reference in this Haftarah is really just that. It's a reference. His experience is used as an analogy. And again, the, Navi, the, the Navi um, stated, for it is as the waters of Noach to me. It is, it is 
It is like the waters of Noah. So the fact that Noah appears in the Navi as an analogy and a reference point, so that shows us the real subject of the Haftarah is really not Noah per se. Right? The subject of this Haftarah is the thing that is being compared to Noah. Yes, Kimei Noah Zosli. It's like the waters of Noah, but what exactly is as the waters of Noah? What is the Navi demonstrating by invoking the memory of the waters of Noah in this particular message? Right, for what is Noah serving as an analogy? So if we put both of our questions together, that will likely, uh, what will likely emerge is that our Haftorah is attempting to teach us a perspective about Nechama using the waters of Noah as some sort of symbol. But if one thinks about it, it is kind of ironic. Because the waters of Noah, as they are described in the Torah, were quite devastating. The entire world was destroyed. All of mankind and the animal kingdom were blotted out with the exception, of course, of one family, the fish, and two or seven of each kind of animal, which all survived during the mabel, during the flood. And it was a heavy dosage of unadulterated divine justice served to a corrupt and morally debased generation. So it was pretty ugly. So when the Navi comes along to encourage us, it's kind of funny that the Navi attempts to do so with Noah. Hey, don't worry, guys. It'll be like old times. It's just like the waters of Noah. Cheer up. Yet the waters of Noah brought about the greatest physical destruction preceding that of the Beis HaMikdash. And there was no point of recovery for that generation of people. It couldn't get much worse. Yet the waters of Noah do not sound all that comforting. But I would argue that the irony even goes further. If one thinks about Noah himself, his essence from his birth, he was really to be a harbinger of hope and comfort, at least originally. Right? In fact, Nechama, we can argue, and we discussed on two sides of that argument a few weeks ago, but Nechama might even be part of Noah's name. Right? When Noah was born, the Torah tells us that his father Lemech called him Noah and declared that this one will bring consolation from the work and the anguish of our hands from the ground which Hashem has cursed. Now, again, I translated it now as consolation. Um, of course, Rashi um, gives us the other perspective that this Lashon of Nechama is actually not a Lashon of Nechama. It's Lashon of, of a Menucha, right, uh, of Noach, Noach coming from Menucha, which has the same letters of the word Nechama, but Lenoach means to rest, to relax. And we can talk about maybe the connections between resting, relaxing, and, and being consoled and comforted. On the other hand, there certainly can be overlap. Um, and the, I'll say that intrinsically, the Shroshim are not necessarily exactly precisely the same. However, there are commentators that read um, into this uh, Noach, in Noach's naming. They do read it's as a reference to the Lashon of Nechama. The other side of the argument that Rashi presents is that maybe his name should have been Menachem, though we find many instances where someone has a name which, uh, you know, which apparently resembles one thing, but it's not precise. So, for example, the name Shmuel, which is a co- supposedly a combination, the Navi tells us, of, of Shoel Mikael, that it's borrowed from Hashem. Right? But maybe you would argue that the name Shaul would be a better um, a, be- a better communication of that message. We find similarly in connection to the naming of Bavel, so the Chumash also in Parshas Noach says Kisham Balal, that there everything was mixed up. 
So if the word is Balal, maybe the place should have been called Balal, and yet it was called Babel. I, I bring this up just um, so we can understand that it's very possible. Maybe um, you can argue with Rashi's Pshat about what Noach's name should have been if the Sharash of his name was the Sharash of Nechama as opposed to Menucha. Um, but be that as it may, um, there is that possible connection. And even if you don't buy that the name Noach is, uh, um, has the Sharash of, of, of Nechama, you will see very shortly that it's certainly related, at least from a perspective of of literary analysis, as we'll see shortly. But let's 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 take for granted the possibility that even if Noach's name does not contain the Sharish of Nechama, that it's at least intended to be related somewhat from a literary perspective. Right. So, if you go back in history, when Adam Harishon had sinned. Kadosh Baruch Hu had cursed the ground, and he made agriculture very difficult for mankind to navigate. And this is the basis for Lamech's, um, his, his bracha to his child, to, to all of mankind. Lamech had hoped that Noah would mark the end of that anguish, whether it would be a consolation from that time, or a menucha, a rest from that time, a respite. But Noah was supposed to bring some sort of, some sort of respite. Supposed to. Right, but then the Torah tells us that in his generation, the opposite happened. And here's where we get to, to the reversal of Zeyin that this one will bring us either comfort or this one will bring us respite. Says the Pasuk at the very end of Parshish Barashas, Vayinachem Hashem ki asa Right, we, we quoted this Pasuk a few weeks ago for, for Shabbos Nachamu, that Hashem had reconsidered or regretted the Lashon of Nechama, he reconsidered having made man on the ground, on earth. And so after the Pasuk, the previous Pasuk says that Hashem was sad in his heart, but yet, so Hashem concluded, you know, I'm going to wipe out all of mankind from the face of the ground. And as we've mentioned in the past, the Torah uses the same root for comfort to convey the opposite meaning of regret. And we also mentioned that what's the common denominator between these opposite words, comfort and regret, and each one refers to, as Rashi and Hazinu says, it's a hipoch machshava. It could be either positive or negative, but it is a reversal of one's thoughts, a reversal of one's feelings, as it were, which means the common denominator of comfort and regret is reconsideration. So the word nechama means to reconsider. And so the point here is that in Noach's generation, where there perhaps should have been comfort, where there perhaps should have been maybe respite, there was only this regret, Hashem's reconsideration of all positive. And Hashem says, you know what? I prefer the negative right now. I prefer to wipe out all of mankind. So now, if all of the above is true, Noach does not really come off as a symbol of consolation, but one of destruction and a loss of hope. So where then is the encouraging message of the comfort somehow to be found in the waters of Noah? So for just a minute, let's focus less on Noah and more on the actual target of our Haftarah. Because when it comes to the broader text of our Haftarah, the Navi calls out to Yerushalayim, Rani Akara lo yalada, and sing out, O barren one who has not given birth. Pitzchirina Vitsali lo chala ki rabin b'nei shomima b'nei ve'ula amar Hashem. 
right? break out into glad song and be jubilant. You have not experienced birth pangs, for the children of the desolate one will outnumber the children of the inhabited one, says Hashem. So now the Navi is, a, is, is, is addressing a childless and desolate land of Yerushalayim. Indeed, Yerushalayim in its destruction was like the lonely world which Noah returned to from his boat ride, empty and bereft of a generation of its children. And the Navi tells this desolate land that it would one day bear children, more than those of any other land. The Navi then continues with this theme, urging Yerushalayim to broaden itself for the overflow of children to come. And the Navi then assures Yerushalayim that although she was once forsaken, that Hashem would ultimately show her eternal kindness, mercy, and ultimately redemption. And here comes the Noah reference. In its entirety, the Navi tells us, in Parak Nundalad, Pasuk Nuntas, Ki me Noach zosli, asher nishbati me avor me Noach, od al arts, ki nishbati nektsof alayach umig arboch. For it is as the waters of Noach to me, just as I swore that the waters of Noach would never again pass over the earth, so do I swear not to be wrathful with you, nor to denounce you. Now with this broader picture, we can begin to understand where the Navi, in fact, is coming from. As we've mentioned earlier, Noach's story does not appear to be one of hope and comfort, but of failure and of lost hope. But the waters of Noach, um, as terrible as they were, and indeed, so is Hashem's wrath in every generation, no less during the exile of our people. And yes, when Hashem's wrath strikes, there are souls that unfortunately get cut off. That, of course, is the nature of divine justice, that if you sin and you corrupt Hashem's world, you will lose. And the Navi does not by any means attempt to downplay the gravity of these, dest these destructions. However, I believe the Navi is also telling us that when these destructions come, explains the Navi, eventually they go. And when they go, one day they will be gone once and for all. And it will be as Hashem had promised Noach, that there will be a time where destruction will forever cease. That is something that we can all look forward to. Now one might ask, Right, who, who cares that he won't do it again? What about all of all, all of that that which was already lost? Right, it happened, and you're right. It's quite tragic. And Noah witnessed such a loss firsthand. Perhaps the world's greatest loss, the world itself. But Hashem did not merely promise Noah that he would not allow it to happen again. But Hashem also commanded Noah to get up and rebuild. The world as we know it is the product of that new generation, that rebuilding. The Avos, the Shiftei Ka, Moshe Rabbeinu, David HaMelech, and eventually Mashiach Tidkeinu himself all descend from this rebuilding. Each of these pillars, whom we could not imagine our history and future without, entered the scene no earlier than this new stage in time. There was a rebuilding. Right, This idea of rebuilding precisely is the lesson of Rabbi Akiva's triumphant recovery on Lagba Omer, Right, yes, all of his students died and there was not a single one left. But Rabbi Akiva picked himself up and he rebuilt. He taught new students who were greater than any of the students that preceded them, and they became the leading teachers of our entire Teresha Bel Peh. And again, none of these points means to suggest that the destruction did not happen or that it was not terrible. It did, and it was. But Nachama, as we've explained throughout this series, does not mean to change the results of that destruction it does not revive the dead. What happened, in fact, happened. And now we are in a state of utter desolation. We are bereft, essentially childless. 
what explains the Navi. And from here is where we derive Nechama, that we will rebuild. We will be greater than we were. We will be more than we were before. And that will only happen, though, when we allow ourselves to be comforted, to have that reconsideration over what had happened in the past and actually pick ourselves up to build a better and brighter future. If we could take that message to heart, then we will no longer wallow in desolation and grief over that which was, that which is perhaps currently lost. Instead, we will derive the intended nechama from the waters of Noach to pick ourselves up, to bear lasting fruits, and ultimately rebuild. We shall be zoka to continue to find nechama despite our galas and to pick ourselves up to bear those lasting fruits and ultimately rebuild the base of Megdash with the coming of the Geulah and the days of Mashiach to Kenob and Herabi Amenu. As always, if you enjoyed this share and others like it on the podcast, you want to partner with us with the sponsorship, or for questions, comments, concerns, recommendations, or you want to join the database podcast WhatsApp group where you'll find links to every uploaded share and share that I repost due to their relevance, then all you have to do is reach out to me at the database at gmail.com. That's the data than base, B-E-I-S, at gmail.com. Until next time, have a wonderful rest of your week, wonderful Shabbos, and thank you for joining us here at the database.